all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another wild, whimsical Wednesday for Torch Report 391. Friends, fighting on the local front. Some takeaways from three different community meetings that were going on last night, all held in the same night. And, you know, yesterday's report, Torch Report 390, you know, how the communists plan to win, you know, talking about the communist ideological subversion and how it's, you know, playing into all this culture war and stuff. This is really where the rubber meets the road at the local level. Now, it's always interesting to me to attend a community meeting, you know, look around the room and see who showed up. Who showed up here? And in my experience, there's always a, you know, they're, they're the same familiar faces, I should say. The same few people in the community who choose to show up at meeting after meeting, whether it's a city council or commissioner meeting, whatever. If there's a meeting, they're there because they want to be involved. But what's also interesting to me is there are so many other faces that I never see at all. You know, people you see in the community, you see them around town, but you never see them at an actual meeting. If I were to wager... A guess at how many people are actively engaged, participating in community meetings. I would say the percentage of people in the community, in any community, who are intentionally involved is really very, very small. There's not a lot of people who are, in, you know, interested enough or, you know, they just don't choose to show up. Okay, that's just the way it is. And I'm not judging necessarily. You know, people are busy. I get it. You know, besides that, life gets in the way. You know, many times people don't hear about the meeting at all, or maybe not until it's too late. And and even if they hear about it and the stars all align, the schedule is open, sometimes people just don't feel like leaving the house. You know, they don't feel like entering into the fray, attending a community meeting. You know, ah, come on, you know, that doesn't seem so important or pressing when we've got Netflix or Facebook or any infinite number of other distractions that are tearing at our attention. We don't have to think about it because we've got something else to keep our mind uh, it, it entertained. And then again, not wrong, not right. It's just the way that it is, but it is a problem. Now, why is low level community engagement a problem? And the answer, I started thinking about this today and I want to kind of try to spit it all out. It's because all of these meetings are really where the rubber meets the road. These meetings are where the conversations are had and the decisions are made. You know, city councils, county commissioners, health boards, school boards, library boards, etc. All of these represent a small group of engaged citizens who are working together to make decisions that are going to affect everybody else in the community, even the people who are not engaged. And so even though a lot of times it feels like the routine meetings may feel menial at times, uh, it, this is really very meaningful engagement. So if you ever feel even the slightest inclination to go check out a meeting, do it. It's it's worth getting engaged. Now, within the context here, and, and friends, forgive me, my, my uh, sinuses are going off, my allergies are going off today. The uh, well, hey, it's the first day of summer, and that's kind of a big thing. There's a lot of uh, summer blooms going on right now, and the scotch blooms when the scotch blooms and the sage start to go off, it tends to tickle my nose quite a bit. So, forgive me uh, for sounding a little bit stuffy here. Now, within the context of standard uh, weekly and monthly meetings like council meetings and such, there's always there other meetings too, like the special meetings, the rallies, the town halls, and that kind of stuff. And of course, town halls 
uh, rallies, they generally attract a larger crowd because they revolve around emotionally charged issues. These are things that people are in the community are charged up about. And while there are typically, you know, very few people who are interested in hashing out how to fix the potholes around town, there are usually a lot more people who engage and attend meetings when the topic is like protecting children or protecting our rights or, or solving problems like drugs and crime. And that was the case last night. There was, uh, there was a town hall meeting on the mental health and drug crisis and the associated crime wave. Uh, there was also a library board meeting to address the issue of shelving pornography in the children's book section. And then there was a standard city council meeting that was being held at the same time. So, you know, dealing with the procedural stuff of taking care of the city, uh, you know, a group of parents at the library talking about this is not appropriate for our kids. And then a group of uh, the sheriff, the state legislative representative, and all t getting together and talking about uh, the, the mental health and addiction and drug crisis and all that. So all this was going on. And, uh, you know, there was actually another meeting that was scheduled, a kind of a, a local Liberty Alliance meeting, but that group decided to break up. We're going to go attend these other me meetings because these were pressing and relevant. Like these are issues that are pressing and relevant. It doesn't matter what label you wear, what crowd you're in, you know, these are affecting all of us as a community. And, Okay. Now, all that said, friends, have I set the stage well enough here? You know, in the bustling metropolis of downtown Goldendale, Washington, you know, these three meetings drew a collective attendance of roughly, say, 100 people. Uh, the rooms were actually pretty packed. Not bad. 100 people. That's not bad, but that's not great. That's not great, you know. Anytime you can pack a room with people who are ready and willing to engage in hard conversations and, and try to come up with agreeable, practical solutions, I'd call it a success, a smashing success. Um, but still, it was only 100 people out of thousands, right? So the library board meeting was standing room only. Now, uh, just to give you a little, you know, uh, I went to I went to the the drug and crime meeting. My wife went to the library board meeting at other family members attending the, uh, the city council meeting. So, you know, I had, had family represented at all three meetings and, and were able to talk about it afterwards. And at any rate, the library board meeting was standing room only. And there were dozens of parents there taking their turn to stand up and speak out against the harmful, shameful books that are being used to target and groom and sexualize children. You know, this is not okay. This is absolutely unacceptable. We're not going to just sit down, shut up and take it. And that was the sentiment that the parents were presenting. And the sharing was coming from a place of deep and sincere concern for the children in our community. And I would say at the, at the drug crisis meeting, that town hall, that one was also, you know, saying kids go to the park, but they got all these homeless drug addicts, you know, setting up camp in the bathrooms and leaving their fentanyl or needles laying all around. Okay. So it's all about concern for the children in our community. Meanwhile, while these parents are there at the library, there were also coordinated progressive propagandists in the crowd. And they were, uh, they were ultimately outweighed by the grassroots eng engagement. But I, the, uh, these coordinated propagandists, you know what? I'm going to come back to that in a minute. You know, I, I don't understand how anyone in their right mind 
can try to defend Drag Queen Story Hour. It's beyond me. It doesn't make a lick of sense. It is only the sick and twisted minds that have been sufficiently warped to target children with this perversion. I mean, no rational person thinks that this is okay. And those who ignorantly support such a disgusting cause are little more than useful idiots who are too damn stupid to realize the fools that they are. And, in my opinion... They deserve to be shouted down. They deserve to be put in their place. Anyone who stands in solidarity with these sick bastards deserves to be put in their place and forcefully, if necessary. We cannot, I repeat, we absolutely cannot cede this conversation to such lunacy. We can't just let them take the podium and the stand and run their freaking mouths with all this crap. Nevertheless, okay, so there's these coordinated leftist propagandists. Okay, and it was getting pumped into the room, into the meeting, because there are these out-of-towners being piped in over Zoom, and they're, you know, they're coming in, they're spilling their drivel and all their propaganda. And the majority of the local community was just kind of dumbfounded. How would anybody actually be advocating to abuse their children? I said, I can't believe my eyes, you know, and yet these people were there, these slimy, subversive, progressive hacks who are probably getting paid to hang out in their pajamas and call in and mess around with small town America. You know, these people who are calling in advocating for the abuse of children are wholly incapable of thinking for themselves. You know, they, they're just smug. You know, the local progressives seem smug and satisfied as the scripts were being being read. And yes, friends, they were reading scripts. I've seen this many times. It's clunky. It's obvious. They're just reading through the talking points that have been given to them by some progressive nonprofit. Now, or perhaps maybe they penciled out their own script, but they picked the language up from some progressive nonprofit. The, the language and the narrative is very carefully cultivated. Now, unfortunately, this is a tactic that's being used against citizens in small towns, big towns and small towns everywhere, uh, especially with all this, you know, these these call ins like Zoom and Skype. Anybody can attend from anywhere. And so you get these liberal activists who have been trained in the game here. They coordinate their calls. They piggyback off each other. And since there's only so much time in a meeting that allows for only so many comments to be made. By coordinating their efforts, these, you know, these, these progressive hacks, you know, they, they capture the time slots and then they read their scripts and they secure a disproportionate amount of time to spew their propaganda. And of course, the frustrated locals are just sitting there politely, you know, waiting their turn with steam coming out of their ears, you know, oftentimes the turn never comes because you get three, four, five progressive activists who are calling in and locking up the time slots. And again, the nice guy finishes last. Okay. So this happens really regardless of the topic. And what happens next is, you know, reporters, the media can claim, oh, that was a, you know, majority of voices were in support of, of the LGBTQ or in support of, you know, free cradle to grave entitlements for people who are on addiction or whatever the case may be. You know, the majority of voices are, are supporting whatever the progressive agenda item happens to be. And of course, the media is reporting this majority of voices, quote unquote, majority neglecting to mention that the real majority of people were never even heard. The real majority of people are at home. Okay, that's the truth. And then of the people who do care, the concerned citizens that showed up at the library board or the drug, you know, drug and crime town, town hall or what have you, the majority of people are at home, but the majority of people who show up and care, they're not heard. 
They're never heard because they don't understand how the game is played. They were too late to get on the least uh, list to speak, you know, and the meeting just ran out of time, you know, and oh, oh, oh we got to be respectful of time, right? I mean, come on. And anyway, I, like I said, I've seen this strategy. It's a very intentional strategy to run out the clock. I've seen it used over and over and over again. If you've been to any number of community meetings, then I'm sure you've seen the same thing. Now, as a side note here, I believe this obsession with respecting people's time and trying to dutifully follow Robert's rules of orders, I think it is nothing more than a conditioned control mechanism. It's a complete cop-out for, for, uh, for local leadership, essentially. You know, if we're, if we're talking about protecting the lives of children, I don't really give a damn about, oh, I'm ready to be done now. Oh, geez, look at the clock. I'm tired of listening, ready to go home. You know, no, suck it up. This is important stuff. It's going to take some time to talk it through. And no, just because my two minutes is up doesn't mean I'm done talking. And hey, you know, let that woman speak her mind. I don't care if she's supposed to be out of time. She's right. Okay. I want to hear it. So letting people speak is so, so important. Now, the balance of that, of course, is that somebody has to facilitate the meeting. Right. There, there, there's a loose cannon in every group. You know, there's always an attention hog. There's someone who just likes the fact that people are looking at them and being forced to listen to them, even though they have nothing coherent to contribute to the conversation. You know, good leadership requires discretion in the assertion of authority or assertion of dominance. It's it's, you know, a strong communicator can dominate the conversation, but they have to do it tactfully. Sometimes there needs to be a gentle nudge. Sometimes there needs to be a strong authoritative voice. That's all a matter of human dynamics. Now, side note aside, the need for rules and structure does not supersede the need to talk things through. The need for rules and structure, which we need, does not supersede the need to talk things through. Conversations will naturally run their course. And when people have had enough, they're they're going to get up and leave, right? And that was the case at the drug crisis town hall last night, which was also standing room only, by the way. Uh, the, the meeting had no call-ins, uh, but there were definitely some progressives who were there with their agenda. Anyway, the agenda in the drug crisis town hall was basically to smear local law enforcement and blame them for the drug and mental health crisis. Oh, you know, the police just want to arrest people and throw them in jail. You know, the police don't really care about these poor, vulnerable drug addicts. That's how the thinking goes. And, you know, okay, so if the police don't care about these poor, vulnerable drug addicts, you know, we, we, we need to stop stigmatizing these poor, vulnerable drug addicts. We need to spend lots more money providing services to these poor, vulnerable drug addicts. These poor, vulnerable drug addicts are the victims of an oppressive, racist, and unjust society. And besides, if they don't clean up their Mac, we're going to have a hard time getting them to vote for the Democrats. Anyway, that's the kind of crap that the useful idiots believe really regardless of their level of education or their position in the community. They are fools, but they believe it because they've been conditioned to believe that. Now, while myself and others were there, you know, steering the conversation toward the root of the problem, like, well, geez, why all of the sudden are there so many more poor, vulnerable drug addicts than there ever used to be? And where did they all come from? Hmm, you know, while I was, you know, myself and others were trying to steer the conversation that direction, it became perfectly clear that there, you know, that different people were trying to solve different problems. 
Now, the liberal do-gooders were emphasizing with the plight of the poor, vulnerable drug addicts, the perceived victims. And they were begging the community for more money and shaming people into the need for more drug programs and counseling and social safety net as if the problem is that these services are not sufficient. The problem is that we're not taking care of the poor, vulnerable drug addicts. That's a logical fallacy. It's a farce, but it sounds pretty good, and plenty of people buy into it, especially the useful idiots who have been conditioned into being a good human and such. You know, it, But the reality is it's not a lack of services that's the problem. It's the number of people who are needing help. Why does that number keep skyrocketing? Why are there so many more people now, you know, dealing with all these addiction issues? Okay. And really to just kind of boil hours of conversation down to, you know, a little bit of a a succinct synopsis here, the thinking progressed from the problem. Uh, The problem is a lack of services. You know, there are, there are three different people in there sharing their lived experiences. And oh my gosh, they actually used the words. These are our lived experiences. Now, not the people uh, that we're sharing, but the the but, but, the social worker, like this is people's lived experiences. Okay, this is conditioned language. You know, this is, it's all throughout the globalist propaganda. Anyway, that's a side note. But the, uh, while these people are sharing their, their uh, personal experiences, with addiction and their children are being addicted and somebody had, a, you know, their, their child was addicted and died in prison and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Well, that sounds like a pretty rough patch. All right. That, that, that's, it's all about empathy and drawing on the heart springs there, but that's not the problem. The problem is not that these services are not sufficient. The problem is why are all these kids doing all these drugs to begin with? Why are so many people struggling with mental health to begin with? And so the conversation went from, you know, the, the, the people sharing their lived experiences and the problem was a lack of services. They, it's, it's the police just arresting people and they don't even have drug kits. No, 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 whatever the case may be. Some of those were uh, rebutted. They were allegations that were not substantiated. Then the tra- kind of transition, well, the, the problem is the lack of authority that, you know, well, we try to report these, these drug dealers, but, you know, the police can't make any arrests. That's what happens when you try to defund the police and disparage the police and, you know, criminalize, uh, uh, legalize criminal behavior. And, oh, well, then that's not really the problem. The problem is the broader mental health crisis. All these people are struggling. We don't even have any counseling services. You know, we, we need more counseling services. Okay. You know, well. Why? Again, you know, and you can only have so many counselors, but, and then the problem, you know, kind of of conversation flow, the problem then was, you know, it's the cartels that are pushing drugs in our local communities. And whether it's the lack of services or the lack of authority to make arrests or the broader mental health crisis or the cartels pushing drugs in our communities, you know, some people would claim that it's all of the above. However, personally, I do not believe that it's any of these concerns, you know, however legitimate they may be. I do not believe that any of these concerns address the real root cause of these issues. I mean, they may be legitimate concerns. You know, do, do, uh, do mental health issues lead to addiction and crime? Yes, absolutely. They do. You know, does addiction lead to mental health issues and crime? Yes, yes, it does. You know, do mental health issues, addiction and crime strain limited local resources? The answer is yes. Obviously, that's the case. Our communities are being overwhelmed with this mental health and these addiction and this crime. Okay, is this something that our communities need to deal with? 
Yes, absolutely. We need to deal with it. You know, now will more rehab for addicts, will more grace for criminals, will more counseling for mental health uh, issues solve the problem? And the answer is absolutely not. In other words, will more services to service these people who are struggling, is that going to solve the problem? No, it is not. It never can. You know, yes, more rehab for addicts, more grace for criminals, more counseling for people with mental health issues. That's going to save some lives. That's going to change some lives. And that's a worthy cause, but it doesn't do anything to solve the problem. The problem is there are more and more addicts and people manifesting mental health disorders now than ever before. And this is leading to more and more crime in our communities and our children are less safe because of it. Friends, the real question is what is driving all of this? What is driving the skyrocketing epidemic of addiction and crime? Until we solve that problem, everything else is just going to get worse. You know, we will never have enough services to help the ill get well. There will never be enough community counselors or law enforcement and no amount of money will ever be able to fix this problem because nothing is being done to address the root of it. So it's just going to keep getting worse as more and more people struggle. Beneath the mental health crisis, beneath the drug crisis and the shocking rise in crime lies human nature. Friends, and it is there that we must find the root of all these problems. But, zoinks, I looked at the clock. Holy smokes, we're out of time. So that's something we're going to have to get to tomorrow. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to click that little heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And, of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this wild, whimsical Wednesday, friends. And I'll work again soon. Yeah.